You are listening to the podcast When Life Gives You Lemons, presented by me, Emma Levy. Having worked with elite athletes for most of my career, it's always intrigued me that a significant number of high-performing individuals have encountered some form of adversity earlier in their lifetime. My fascination into this grew when I had my own brush with adversity, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in May 2020, in the midst of the global pandemic at the age of 36. During this period, I questioned, was it my positive mindset or maybe something deeper, which enabled me to bounce back and to train and compete for a triathlon just one month following completion of all active cancer treatment. The goal of this podcast is to explore this concept further by meeting a variety of high-performing individuals who have experienced adversity, but who have come back stronger. Today, I'm welcoming Carly Musa to the podcast. Carly has always been a breast cancer advocate, having lost her mum and grandmother to the disease. Then in her mid-30s, she received her own breast cancer diagnosis, when she found a lump under her arm whilst accompanying her sister to chemotherapy. Since then, she has shared her breast cancer journey on social media, from diagnosis throughout her treatment and into her remission, and she continues to share hope and positivity today. Following her cancer diagnosis, like is similar to a lot of us, her perspective of life changed and she has recently retrained to be a wellness coach. As well as being a keen writer, she is a mum of two small children and co-founded a business Keep Em Quiet with her husband Dan. I've personally met Carly at a few breast cancer charity events over the past couple of years and I've always found her warmth and positivity a joy to be around and so I'm extremely excited to welcome Carly to the podcast today. Carly, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm not sure if I've told you this before. I think I have. But when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I, which was a couple of months after you, I fully came off social media because it just wasn't for me at that time. However, my sister-in-law told me about your account. So before any of my kind of new treatments, new surgeries, I would actually go back onto my Instagram to see how Carly was doing (laughs) and to see what advice Carly could give me for the next steps. So thank you. (laughs) um, Well, I don't think you have told me that. You know, we are in this together with chemo brain, um, (laughs) menopausal brain for me over here. So if you have, maybe I can't remember it, but um, no, I don't think so. I think I would remember that. And it's really, really lovely to hear. And I think that is a huge element as to kind of why anyone shares anything, isn't it? To give that um, kind of hope and experience and advice to Mm. others um, because I know that's exactly what I looked for. Exactly. I imagine you have helped countless other women like me who couldn't find uh, like the answers to the questions that the doctors and nurses just couldn't answer. I think the doctors and nurses like we don't get a lot of time with them do we Mm. so you're kind of in there. I know I would get quite flummoxed and kind of it's a lot of information and you're downloading it and then you walk away and you go oh gosh but what about that and what about this and maybe more of the like humanness comes Mm. into your thought process of you know but but what's that going to make me feel like and am I going to be able to you know post-surgery like when am I going to be able to carry my little girl again and all those things that maybe don't get the time with the professionals you go to other people and you speak to someone that's been through it. So, exactly. yeah, I think I, I get um, amazing, amazing messages. And I have done since sharing um, from my diagnosis, really, mm. of of people that have been helped by what I've shared and 
vice versa. I try and tell anyone that helps me that they are helping because that is just, yeah, I think how as humans we work, we kind of, yeah, connect and share and provide that support to one another. Yeah. So how did you find the bravery to show the story on social media at your most vulnerable times? Um, I am not going to lie. I find it so hard to show up on social media when I am feeling in not the best place. And it's something I've got, I would say, maybe I've improved a bit more at, but um, I have definitely, before my diagnosis, been someone that smiles through really, really rubbish stuff and doesn't ask didn't didn't ask for help when I needed it and you know everything's okay I'm like Ross and friends I'm fine I'm fine um whilst everything is not okay um and I think actually the kind of arc of sharing on social media and realizing like with chemo maybe when it wouldn't go ahead oh god I've got to go I've got to show up now and show that I'm disappointed and show that like I'm actually yeah like this is really difficult. This is really hard. It's not all smiles and, you know, we can do this, everyone. Like, actually, it's brutal. It's, you know, your body is wrecked from it. And yeah. so, and I think by finding that kind of honesty and ability to use my voice, it's actually given me a massive strength to be more vulnerable and to kind of try... I still sometimes will go quiet on social media and I think I say to my friends, like, if you, if you know I'm not posting as much, then that's that's often, like, yeah, when check in. stuff's going on, yeah. yeah. Um, but it is a hard thing because I think I do like to provide that hope and that positivity to people, mm-hmm. but at the same time, that has to be balanced with the fact that it's, it is so okay to have really, really rubbish days and to find things hard and to need time out from stuff and yeah all of that which I'm a big advocate of other people so I need to kind of take that on board for myself oh absolutely and I I think you know your story is quite remarkable because you were diagnosed with the same cancer which sadly killed your mum yeah um so I want to ask you how did you deal with the fear that must have been surrounding your diagnosis so I don't know if you you might resonate with this I think when I got my diagnosis I was completely wrecked like that those sleepless nights those kind of waking up and going oh my god this is really happening oh my god and so much of that for me was definitely wrapped into the fact that my mum had died from breast cancer so you know I'd been there with her I'd watched all of it I'd seen how hard chemo was for her I'd see you know all of this stuff and then suddenly you're going oh god now I've got to face this What I did, and maybe this is natural human instinct or survival mode or whatever Mm. you call it, I went, my story's different. Like straight away, I was like, I've got triple negative breast cancer. So you quickly realize there's different subtypes. So in my head, that was like, well, I've got triple negative breast cancer. Now, a lot of people get triple negative breast cancer and see it as it's an aggressive form. It sounds quite scary. For me, it was like, this is a positive. It's not the cancer that my mum had. This is different. I've got my own story. I'm 37. She was 54. Um, There was just so many differences. She had lumpectomy. I was being told I was going to have a double mastectomy. So all of those things in my head went, okay, this is my story and my story alone. I have mm-hmm. the BRCA gene mutation. My mum didn't. It comes from my dad's side. Right. So I think I just entered into it from the get-go. Once I had my plan and that 
initial stage of complete terror had like subsided a bit and went okay we're running with this this is different no one else's stories are mine this is my own and I'm going to be okay and I just visualized that like that was it that's that was, very rational it was whether it was rational or denial I'm not mm. sure maybe it was rational yeah I think I just took as many differences as I could with my me and my mum because that was the only way I could do it like you know my kids were four and six at the time yeah. and I just was like this is okay and I and again talking of social media I looked there and I saw a lot of people doing okay after mm. and I thought times have changed right it, it was 10 years since my mum had died yeah. to me getting my diagnosis so I was that you know to the medicine to the fact that I had this incredible we've got the same oncologist yes, don't we? We, yes do. we do <laughs> um incredible oncologist yeah. who got me on a drug that was pretty groundbreaking and had only just been approved for early stage breast cancer and because I was stage two grade three the grade is the aggress aggression yeah. but the stage two means it's relatively early it's like mm -hmm. stage one stage two stage three stage four yeah um so all of this was like you know I'm good I felt mm. really really safe and in a way kind of up for the challenge as weird as that sounds I think yeah. my brain has always worked like that like when the can we swear? Yes. When the shit hits the fan, yep. um, I've gone, okay, now we've got to this point. Like, I, okay, an example was in my teenage years, I had quite a bad eating disorder mm -hmm. and I ended up going to hospital. And the day I was admitted to hospital, I went, oh, things are, I, I, oh God, yeah. what have I done? Well, now I'm going to be the best person in this hospital and I'm going to yeah. abide by every rule I'm given and I'm going <laughs> to get myself out of here. I mean, I was like an A grade student. So whenever I'm presented with something, I'm like, mm. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it well and I'm going to do my best. So yeah. I think I just took that approach with chemo. I was like, this is all going to be okay. Like, this is just a new challenge. Yeah. So you're quite a resilient person. I do you um, see yourself as a resilient person? I definitely do now. I yeah. think I... I have had a lot of therapy, mm -hmm. big fan of therapy. And I think I have a tool kit that allows me to face the uncertainty of life and still kind of appreciate so much about it. And I think, I mean, when I, when I meet a new therapist, like the therapist I met during my cancer treatment and you know, first sessions with a therapist often tend to be like, tell me a bit about yourself. Mm. And you start reeling off your life story and yeah. you see their face. And I'm like, oh, maybe I am more resilient <laughs> than I give myself credit for. Like, yeah. this sounds like an episode of EastEnders or, you know, yeah. more than that. There's been a lot. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to say I am resilient. Yeah. I think I think we all are. I think it's just about what life gives you. Yeah. Right? So do you think you were born resilient or do you think you have gained the skills to be a resilient person by what you've had to go through. So as an example, as an example, um, I don't know if you've read, you know, we like talking about books <laughs> um, the David and Goliath book. No, by Malcolm Gladwell. Nope. And he talks about um, there was a study. It was it's very old, but in the 60s and a large proportion, I think I've got written down how many, 45% um, of the famous kind of writers and poets like Keats and Wordsworth lost a parent before the age of 20. Okay. So his he's kind of got a theory that when you lose a parent, it's, it's so, you know, terrible. Mm. But out of that despair and sorrow, you yeah. do get this kind of indomitable force and that helps give you some resilience. Yeah, I, that, 
I think I agree with that. However, I also do agree with the fact that we all have it. Yeah. Every single person. I had a lot of messages. You might have had the same from friends and stuff saying, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do what you're doing. And you're like, no, you absolutely yeah. could. And it's so fearful. This like um, anticipation of the unknown as you enter into things. You don't think you've got the strength or the resilience or the courage to, to face it all, but you do. And so I think that is also whereby I probably see the things that I've been given in my lifetime and the things I've had to face, the loss of my parent, my mum, various things with my siblings over the years, I would say it's all led me to be who I am. So therefore, like I've always almost embraced, embraced it, embraced every challenge, embraced everything that has come my way because that is what is shaping me in this lifetime. I have a... Yeah big big belief in there's more than this experience and mm -hmm. so therefore this experience we have to just take it and take what we can and learn and grow as best we can yeah. um but I think the fact of saying whether you're born with it or whether it's what happens to you I think you, we all are born with an inner strength that is so huge it's just at what point in life are you gonna get the the lemons to kind of yeah. get you to find it yeah so if someone's listening and they they want help kind of finding that inner resilience could you give them any advice how, how can i, I, I would that? yeah the thing is i would love for everybody to know it's there and not have to go through such horrendous trauma right and mm. i think the thing about trauma and the thing about us having cancer for me i felt almost invincible in a way after that i was like oh my god and and i still do i still would say like every day i have this feeling inside me that's like we face something that means like we are so damn lucky to be here to be alive and every day i wake up and i'm like it's another day and i was just on the phone to my friend before and she's like oh the weather's awful i'm like yeah, the weather's okay it's yeah, raining yeah. but oh my god we're here we're walking we're talking like you it's all about that kind of mindset of embracing. And I think, yeah, for me, I just want everyone to realize that they are so incredible and so strong and so like magnetic and powerful. And you don't need something awful to happen for you to realize that this life is short and fragile. Just kind of, you can tap into it. Yeah. I think start maybe small, you know, if you're just kind of cruising through life, Firstly, that's an incredible blessing. Like, mm. realize how bloody lucky you are. But also maybe tap into that compassion to what others have gone through. And mm. yeah, and I think maybe just connect with that and connect with, don't ever think you couldn't do something. Always look at someone, find get some strength from what they're going through and realize like, we all are, we're all connected. Yeah. Yeah. If someone else is strong, you can be that strong. Like, there's no reason not to be. Yeah. So you're kind of talking as well about practicing gratitude. Yes. Yeah. Do you formally do that every day? Do you have a diary? Or I, I definitely do. It's um, yeah, it's a big part of kind of I would say my morning routine now. Yeah. Um, so you, I think through getting cancer, everything did change for me in terms of my mindset and also how I just want to be, how I want to embrace every day um can you try and explain that shift in perspective because it's quite a hard thing to explain and I, i've had the same thing yeah but you know you're so eloquent with the way you speak can you try and explain to our <laughs> listeners about that shift in perspective following your diagnosis i mean i'm pr I, i'm probably gonna not find the words now right because it is it is such a difficult thing to express because it's 
it's almost and this is the thing as well is I I because I'm in the community quite a lot and I connect with a lot of people it's not everyone has the huge shift I don't think as well like you can we've talked about the book the um by Dr Edith Eager you can go why me or you can go what now so my philosophy before I even read the book, has just never been why me. It's never been like, oh my God, why me? Why has my mum died? And why has this happened? And that happened. And maybe it is from my family and the strength I get from them. I have an incredible family. We've all been through a lot together and there's a really strong love from from my beliefs. (laughs) There's a really Mm. strong love there and a real like tight kind of connection and things. And so... I take a lot of strength from that. Um, but yeah, I think I've just always gone, what now? Mm-hmm. And for me, cancer was just the wake up call to go, this is showing me something. What could it be that it's showing me right now in this journey of life? If yeah. you know, if I am lucky enough to survive, then what is it? And I think the biggest thing for me that it was showing me was to appreciate so appreciate life more because Mm. what it did is made me realize how much I do love life no matter how hard it is I get so much joy from like the littlest things and I think that maybe was the shift is when you're and especially during chemo when you're lying when you're spending so much time in bed and I was a very active person before you you clearly were a very active person before so active one month after finishing treatment I mean that is like (laughs) serious kudos to you because I was not doing that one month after finishing treatment but um I think yeah well you're forced to pause Mm -hmm. which chemo surgery both of us a lot of it during lockdown Mm -hmm. no support totally relying on ourselves I had such an appreciation for the days when I had a bit of energy Mm -hmm. and I got to go outside with my kids and push them on a swing and I think when you have that connection to those moments and you realize how hugely important and beautiful and wonderful those little things are, that doesn't leave you. Like, And I would say that's the shift yeah. in mindset is when people say don't sweat the small stuff, that's yeah. all good and well. Like we are living in this human experience where we do have to, you know, pay bills and mm. get kids to school if we, you know, if we're not homeschooling them, which I don't think I ever will do again, but you know, um, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, there is small stuff there, yeah. but I think it's always just having that ability to step, remove yourself and go, okay, take a breath. Yeah. Does any of this actually matter? Yes. And reevaluate. Yeah. And have you found new hobbies that you enjoy, you know, in terms of finding joy in little things? I mean, I sometimes sometimes joke with people. I'm like, either chemo really changed my my brain cells and like, you know, I lost quite a few (laughs) or it did just give me this proper like shake to be like, grab life, grab life. Because I've done things I never would have dreamed of. And I've, what have I done? Um book to jump out of a plane I was supposed to have done that this week but the weather put it off I'm doing it next month I've never done that before um that's something you know I'm embracing saying yes to um what else what else did I see you got your first tattoo got yeah my first permanent tattoo I did get a 
semi-permanent five-year tattoo at 17, which I don't think counts because it was meant to all fade. Did it not fade? The black ink of the butterfly faded, leaving the green wings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Has always just been, you know, a 17-year-old mistake that I keep. I have never lasered off. I keep it as a memory um, to show the kids. I bought pastel colored unicorn um, rollerblades quite soon after my double mastectomy and reconstruction with my tummy tissue because I just wanted to kind of embrace all that stuff I loved as a child that stopped. I got this real like, I don't know, like drive to just find joy wherever I could. And I think I realized that joy for me as we've grown as adults had become very kind of focused around, oh, let's go out and let's get drunk Mm. and let's do this. And actually, I didn't drink during treatment. So I was not only forced to pause and feel physically more unwell than I've ever felt before. I also didn't have that to fall back on and almost like block out the feelings that were coming up. So I really got to sit with stuff. And yeah, and I think I really did I did a lot around connecting with the inner child. And nice. so that became a big thing was like, yeah, I'm going to get the rollerblades and yeah, what I, I'm going to like dance around. And the other day, my husband looked at me like I was a bit, you know, like I said, <laughs> lost a few brain cells because yeah. I skipped down the hill in Primrose Hill. I was like, kids skip. Why yeah, do we yeah, not? Yeah. And it was so much fun. Yeah. So just little moments of that where I'm like, we only get this one experience yeah. here. Sometimes we should just lose our inhibitions yes. and do things like skip yes. down a hill if we exactly. want to skip down a hill. Exactly. Yeah. So, I love hearing how you found joy yeah. following something so negative. Uh, I mean, for me, my big perspective change, one of the things was this podcast. Yeah. You know, this really came out of my kind of new new ideas and new perspective on life. So for me as well, I've I found such a positive out of out of my cancer diagnosis. And it's such a brave thing to do, to step out of your comfort zone yeah. and start something like this. So it, it is, but it's that realisation that life is short. And exactly why not type exactly. thing. We don't really know what's around the corner and we mm. tend to just get in our own way. Yes. No one else is in our own way, you know? Because yeah. so, we're all so worried about what everyone thinks. Yeah. But actually, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. That, that's also what I've come to. No one, no one's really thinking about, <laughs> about, about what we're doing either. Like, no. And generally, people are cheerleading mm. us on. And if someone's not, if, if, you know, we're worried what someone thinks because maybe we think someone's going to think something negative, then I tend to think, well, that's on them. Yeah. If, that's their stuff. If they're not seeing whatever, you know, I think yeah. even choosing to share online, I'm sure it, it made some people uncomfortable because being so open and so vulnerable to a wider audience is probably a lot of people's worst nightmare, you know? So, but you have to, there's, there's room for everyone to do whatever makes them happy in life and just connect in with that, mm. I think. So are you enjoying your new job as a wellness coach? I'm loving it. Yeah. I have, um, I love, I love, <laughs> I love women. I think yeah. I, I really, I've found such a love for myself um, without sounding too like cringy and like, you know, self-love, but that's what cancer did massively change for me. I, like I mentioned, had an eating disorder in my teenage years. My twenties were very wrapped up in a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, um, a lot of stuff going on with my siblings, losing my mum. It was a difficult time and I was definitely struggling to kind of 
really connect, I think, deeply in with like my, yeah, with that inner joy. Like I said, there was a lot of joy and smiles, but I think I was in a lot of pain inside. Whereas what cancer did and shifted, I started to really find that kind of compassion and love and care for myself and start to like myself. I literally was just by myself for so much time. I realized actually I'm, I'm all right to spend time with. Um, Because we were so alone throughout treatment. So alone. People forget. Yeah. And like a week in hospital after my surgery alone. And you, yeah, you, you really, and our thoughts can be really unkind. Yeah. And they can, they, they, I think they're wired to sometimes do that more, more readily than be like, you're doing well, you're, you're, you know, you're strong. So instead of kicking myself that I wasn't maybe moving as fast as I should have done, I was so compassionate to myself after surgery. I was like, you've just been through massive surgery. You've had six months of chemo, you know, all of that talk that goes on in our heads like Mm. I just shifted it to something so much kinder and slowly and slowly as you do that the more you do that the more it's just becomes your natural voice um and so for me if I can help any woman do that because I know how much my natural voice was horrible for so long like Mm. really horrible really like a bully um and so when I see women that were a bit like me before my diagnosis I'm like come on Let's let's get let's help you to kind of really see how incredible you are, and I think it's so easy for us to see it in other people, right? Yeah, so just absolutely. to and and coaching is not saving someone; it's really not. It's not even therapy. It is actually just helping that person to realize that they've got it all within them. Yeah, I whatever they want to do, it's yeah. great. Yeah, so talking about um, women, something I wanted to discuss with you is the fact that I can empathize how breast cancer brings about a lot of changes that people don't necessarily see. So it takes away a lot of the things that we associate with our womanhood. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've both had different types of breast reconstruction, which leaves us with numbness, with pain. Um, We've definitely moaned about the fact together, you know, that we're both into the medical menopause, which brings a lot of rubbish with it. Um, And you've also, you've touched on your eating disorder in your early yeah. earlier life so I wanted to ask how all of that um all of the breast cancer stuff has affected your relationship now with your body um again it's for me it's been the most transformative experience it's healed so much because I think again I realized life is short I don't know which way this is going to go and I think I really, and I think also I started to realize, God, our bodies are incredible because when you're getting chemo pumped into your body, like weekly um, and then three weekly sections and you're realizing what it's doing for you, like all that toxicity and it's still showing up and you're still getting up and you're still, like I said, the good days, you know, pushing my child on the swing. I started to be like, our bodies are incredible. It's literally taking all that medicine and I would visualize it finding the cancer cells and, you know, obliterating the cancer cells. And I would see it as like a a healing thing in a way, as opposed to this really negative thing that was making me sick. But then I'd also just, it would connect me with my body and be like, you know, it, it, it literally affected every single part of my body from my feet up to my head, from the nails, you know, to 
your skin to yeah. everything to even my stomach you name it there was not a part of my body that didn't have some sort of impact so in a way it kind of went okay I, I just surrendered and I went okay my body is going to feel like it's failing right now when actually it's not it's literally trying to survive so that's the first thing secondly I'm going to connect inwards because that's all I can do right now while everything else is kind of falling apart and I'm rattling as I walk and things um and thirdly god how amazing is my bloody body like that that is it's incredible and I think so that started this again this kind of connection between me and my body that maybe I'd never had I'd never I I was saying this actually to my dad the other day he he's got this really amazing outlook on life and he kind of doesn't really he's never sweated the small stuff and he you know when I talk quite like deeply about my emotions and all of this all the therapy talk let's say he's just like I just don't think like that like growing up he would be like why are you sad Carly or or you know what's going on you've got your arms you've got your legs and I'd be like (laughs) but actually there is a part to that that's that's just pure gratitude right and that that's beautiful and I think that started to happen for me would be like okay this is going on, but my body, it's here. It's shown up every day. It's got me to have two amazing children. It's, you know, I can dance with it. I can move it, like all of that stuff. So you get down to the simple things. Then the massive surgery happened, which for me was a, was a, a grief, you know, you're losing, I lost both my breasts. Um, I think sometimes people can go, oh, but you're getting, you know, fabulous new boobs. And it's like, yeah, but tr- mm. give me my other ones, please. Because these ones, like you said, feel really numb and really strange. And, but again, and I, I think this is where it is a mindset thing. You can change your mindset. Mm. I try not to dwell on all of that stuff. Like today sitting with you, I've got the ache under my arm from where my lymph nodes are. That's mm. there. It's kind of always there. I just take it as a reminder to be like, this body is surviving stuff. Yeah. Like this body is amazing. So I just, again, flip, flip my thoughts to, to that. Um, and I wasn't happy when I was tiny. I wasn't happy before my diagnosis when clothes that won't even go over a leg now yeah. fit me. I wasn't happy with my body. Yeah. I am much bigger now since the medical menopause but I am so grateful to my body. Mm. I thank my body and that's been healing for me. It's, uh, you know, I I think I've learned to not place as much value on what a body looks like. I'm much more about like, like I said, I'm waking up today. That's amazing. My body's allowed me to do that, right? And I've seen you in like doing underwear shoots. Yes, which I, before my diagnosis would never, ever have done. I worked with a life coach before my diagnosis and my personal goal was simply to kind of be comfortable in my body. That was it. That was my personal goal. And I I smashed that. (laughs) Now I'm like, I'm not just comfortable in my body. I'm wearing underwear. And I met like... On the sides of buses and stuff. Yeah. And I I sometimes think I'm only, there's only men on my Instagram. I mean, not men, there's only women (laughs) on my Instagram. I forget that, you know, sometimes there's men. I do talk definitely to, I feel like I talk more to women through through that account. And then every now and then I'll be like, oh God, so-and-so see me in my underwear. You know, you get that moment. And I'm just like, but it's just underwear. Yeah, it's fine. Amazing. And I, our bodies I, are incredible. So unbelievable. I think that's just such an amazing perspective shift. Yeah. I, I still need that's to That's been my on biggest one. one. Yeah. It's not, but it, it, I'm still working on it too. I will hold my hands up. I will say yeah. it's not, I thank my body every day. Mm-hmm. It does not mean the voice does not come in to say, you need to lose some weight. You need mm-hmm. to do this. It's all there, but I just don't give it the space as much. Yeah. yeah. I just don't. Amazing. Um, we haven't, we've talked about your wellness 
side of things, your wellness coach. We haven't talked much about the fact that you are quite a keen writer. Yes. And so I assume that you you read as well. Love to read. Good. Um, and I love to ask my guests on this podcast if there's any books that you've specifically found helpful in helping you to overcome your your lemons and anything you'd recommend to our listeners. My memory. I mean, this yeah, is the problem. I have, when the new year started, things in my private life have been a little bit kind of... Um, uncertain well not a little bit a lot uncertain there's lots going on so I didn't want to go into the new year being like gung-ho like this is what we're going to do and this so I really started with small intentions and one of those was I just wanted to read more so I've and I am so happy to say like it's March and that pressure to not like be like I'm going to read this many books and da 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 just a few chapters every night I've, my nighttime routine has become that. I've really got through some great books, but obviously sitting here now, ah, <laughs> Tuesdays with Maury. Oh, yes. That That's book is from the ones I've read recently really, really spoke to me. Um, I, it was beautiful, simple, life-affirming. Um, it's about death, but that's something I'm not too scared to talk about anymore, um, I think. Has that been part of your journey as massively, well? Massively, massively. Um, I think not fearing death for me has allowed me to not fear so many things. Uh, and I think so much of people's anxiety does fundamentally boil down to that yeah. as an ultimate fear. So yeah, yeah. Tuesdays with Maury, I would definitely say. Um, I just finished one and I think it was called Creative Visualization. Mm -hmm. You'll find the pattern here. All the books I read are pretty much self-help books. Like yeah, it's it's rare I'll pick up a fiction book. Maybe Summer Holidays. I think I read a really great thriller, thriller The Silent Patient. That okay, was fantastic. I read that. that was fantastic last summer. Highly recommend that one. Um, the fact that I can even remember a fiction <laughs> book I read, because normally I'm like, have I read that one? But the self-help books, they're the ones that stay with me. Yeah. The Gift, for sure. Like yeah. I read that during my treatment and that mm. was... Edith Eager. Dr. Edith Eager, that for me, for so many reasons, it stuck with me. For that, why me, what now, mm -hmm. firstly, because I think that's so simple, you can carry that through. Yeah. For the fact that she not only survived Auschwitz, went on to move to a country where she didn't speak the language, learned how to speak the language, trained as a psychotherapist in her 50s. Yeah. Like, we, we're so, it just for me made me think like, I've got, I'm, what, four, I just turned 41. I was going to say, I'm 40. I'm 41. Um, and life can change. We don't have to be rigid. There's so much fluidity in this lifetime to kind of embrace new things and be open to new things. And I, I think that's something I love to kind of coach people to embrace mm. that aspect of themselves yeah. too and kind of really connect into what did you want to be as a child? Because we sometimes shut off from that want and that you don't, doesn't mean you're going to quit your job as a lawyer to go and, you know, I don't know what you want to be, be a rock star, let's yeah. say, but there might be a way to incorporate that into your life. Like maybe by joining like, you know, a local club where you can, you know, play, pick up a guitar again and play it with some people, whatever it is, like bring that mm -hmm. element of fun and joy. And I think for me, that coaching is, is something that, I, I've always loved to do. My mum used to say, you give such good advice and you need to take it yourself Like when I was a teenager. So it's just a natural thing of actually, I just like talking to people. And yeah. Well, what a role model Dr. Edith Egar is as well. The bit that I really took from it was the forgiveness, yeah. how she was able to forgive her captors. 
in Auschwitz. And isn't that so freeing? Yes. I think that is, yeah, that's the ultimate thing of, I think, this experience. That's probably the ultimate letting go, Mm -hmm. right, is to find that compassion within, to not hold on to any of that anger. And I think that's... Yeah, I I think I'm 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 no Buddha, but that is definitely kind of where I would aspire to mm. head is in that ability to let go and appreciate and have that compassion that nobody is born evil, right? Yeah. They're little babies. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's a powerful. I didn't remember that powerful. bit, but that the is forgiveness powerful. Bit. It's mm. amazing. Um. Can we just go to a little bit of kind of breast cancer awareness stuff? Yeah. Because we were going to talk about BRCA, weren't we? Yes. I'll let you. Oh, okay. Leave it with me. I'll uh. leave that with you <laughs> because I, I, I'll set the scene. Um, so I knew that Carly's mum and grandmother had breast cancer. And what I didn't realize till just before this interview was that the BRCA, Carly has the BRCA gene from her father's side. Yeah. And then we got into this this conversation and and I said to Carly let's let's talk about this yeah I I really feel this is such an important message to kind of spread more widely um three years before my diagnosis my husband and my best friend said please go and get checked for the BRCA gene mutation you know your mum has had it her mum has had it just just go get checked so I was like in my head I was thinking I know I know everything (laughs) Now I will say I know nothing. <laughs> like so, there's the difference. Um, but yeah, I was like, I know all about this, and you know, you have to. There's a lot more younger cancer. It would be younger. My mum was fifty something. Her mum was, I think, nearly fifty. In terms of BRCA, that is considered relatively old to have mm-hmm. cancer. So I was like, okay, I'll go along, but I just know that you know, it's, I'm not going to have it or whatever. In my head, I was thinking, and I did go along to a breast um, clinic. I got referred by the GP. And they, I actually thought that day I was just going to be tested. But actually what happened is you fill out loads of forms and they sat down with me and they said, you, you're, you're not high enough risk to be tested. So it was on the NHS. Um, so yeah, we're not going to test you, but whatever. Thanks for coming, I guess. Like, oh, bye. Yeah. So I left there kind of feeling like, cool. I did what they asked me to do. I went along and... I'm okay. I'm okay. They, mm-hmm. The professionals don't think I need testing. So there we go. Left it at that. Not once did I think that my dad could carry it, that mm-hmm. it could just be lying dormant. Fast forward two and a half years and my older sister, who is a half sister on my dad's side, was diagnosed with late stage ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. And she discovered she carried the BRCA1 G mutation. So at that point, it was like, okay, we're going to test... Um, your dad, but the likelihood is because he's of Ashkenazi Jewish um, heritage that mm. he's going to be the carrier as opposed to your mum. Because even just looking at like there was no maybe no cancer on her mum's side. Yeah. Um, and I remember she called me August 2019 to tell me, and I remember feeling like, oh, okay, I am going to get tested. Like there's nothing. I would definitely will get tested, but feeling really a kind of deep sense of grief about it because I maybe wanted to have another child and all of the stuff that comes with that potentiality of carrying the gene. Yeah. Um, anyway, as life unfolded, I then was diagnosed myself mm. from August, what, early December yeah. 2019 um, and found out I subsequently carried it. Now, things have moved along and there's now on the NHS a big push that if you have a Jewish grandparent, mm-hmm. you can get tested on the NHS now, which would have changed my story, my sister's story, 
monumentally. Like, mm. I'm not saying neither of us would have got cancer because I don't know what decisions would have been made, but I know for a fact, had I found out I carried it three years before, my older sister would have got tested and definitely wouldn't have been diagnosed with late stage ovarian cancer, which is obviously with cancer, everything we do, every message we spread is to try and catch it early, right? If you're yeah. going to get it, catch it early. Yeah. Or if you carry the BRCA1 gene mutation, don't get it at all. Like yeah, you can avoid do it. preventative. Yeah. So um, this thing, this testing now, if you've got a Jewish grandparent is huge because like with my family, if it is on your dad's side, which I think a lot of people don't even realize yeah. can necessarily be carried by the, by the, the male males, side. Yeah. I think if you're a man listening, like, and you have a Jewish grandparent, please, please consider getting tested because mm -hmm. It might not affect you, but it really might affect your children. Yeah. So I Thanks think that, Carly. Yeah. I think that's really helpful for anyone yeah. listening. And that's why I think it's so important what you do with your breast cancer awareness stuff as well. So thank you. Yeah, good. Um, final question. If you could go back in time to when things were at their toughest, what do you wish you could have told yourself? What would I tell myself? Um... Maybe two things have come to mind. Have two things. I think first and foremost is, which I share a lot, these four words, and they really, really, for me, help in any situation, is this too shall pass. Bring it back to the present. You're going to be okay. This is not going to last forever. Like, no matter what's, what you're going through, things are going to improve. You're going to have better days. There's going to be brighter days. Like, so you almost just like this too shall pass. Just, mm -hmm. just hold tight. Right. Um, and the other thing, which I just, yeah, can't change can only, but like you said, I love to write, write, like it, mm -hmm. write down. If you are going through something rough, write, because you always think you're going to remember. You think like, oh my God, this is going to be ingrained in my memory forever, but you forget stuff. And actually like, sometimes I'll read posts back that I've written of something. I'll go, who is that person? Like, yeah. and almost give myself a little bit of strength again, like to go like, okay, that's somewhere, somewhere in there, somewhere deep rooted, but actually doing the writing and thinking about like maybe putting things more together in a structured form or writing a book. I, there is a lot I've forgotten. I think had I just taken the time to write like a diary. I used mm. to love writing a diary yeah. as a kid too. I think just that. Did it have a like, little padlock on it? Oh yeah, of course <laughs> it did. Yeah. I've got brothers. and exactly. <laughs> Definitely had, it was like bolted up. Yeah. So yeah. No, thank you. That's going to hopefully inspire me to start writing again. I think it's, it's something. And it also just not for anyone to see it, just to get it out. Just yes. it's, it's such a powerful way to free your mind of some stuff yeah. that's bothering you. So I've never been into writing, but I was advised to start journaling yeah. by my therapist when I was going through treatment. And at the beginning, it felt so foreign and so strange. But then I, I got so much out of it because when you're going through something traumatic, everything in your mind is a jumble, isn't it? Yes. And then you start writing it down and you can make some clarity out of it and you can get some structure and it just helps you reflect. And yes, I'm going to re resume my journaling. And it's, it, it is that thing, isn't it? Of like, it's 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes. Put aside 10 minutes for yourself mm. and gift yourself that. Like, yeah. yeah. Great. Um, Carly, where can people find you if they want to know more about you? I am on Instagram, Carly Musa, just my name. M-O-O-S-A-H, but we'll put that in the show notes. Um, and my, I always say this, my DMs are always open. I probably, much to kind of the, you know, 
not, not disgust, that's probably the wrong word, but annoyance of my husband <laughs> and my kids. Like I, I, I am, you know, I like to message people back and have that time to connect with people. So my DMs are always open and yeah. often I'll be voice noting people because I find I'm just, when I'm driving, I'm like to strangers. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the answer. So yeah, amazing. And they really are open because I remember you replied to me when I eventually did reach out. Mm -hmm. So again, thank you. And thank you to all of all of the women who who you have helped. Um, thank you for chatting to us today. Thank you so much for having me on. I've thank loved you. it. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing your story so openly. Um, your honesty, vulnerability, mm. strength and positivity and joy is utterly yeah. inspiring. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We're so excited that the first series of When Life Gives You Lemons is sponsored by Coe's Linen. Coe's supply some of the UK's finest hotels with luxury linens, including bedding, towels and bathrobes. So if you want to feel like you're on holiday or a spa break every day, then I can highly recommend their products. I really love my personalised bathrobe. You know that feeling when you've had a long day at work or a really hard workout. That's when all I want is to have a hot bath, dry myself in my fluffy Coase towel and then relax on the sofa. And that is when you'll find me in my Coase bathrobe. Honestly, the most cosy item I've ever owned. All products can be personalised with custom monograms designed by leading interior designer Sophie Patterson. You can find them exclusively online at www.coeslinen.com. Listeners to When Life Gives You Lemons can save 10% with the discount code POD10. You can find a link in the show notes.